0: You're listening to CSV Broadcast, where Community State Bank links you to the communities of southeastern Wisconsin and keeps you connected to the people, businesses, and events happening near you. Hi everybody, I'm Scott Hudipole, President and CEO of Community State Bank. And we're gonna try something a little different here. We're going to uh, we're gonna to try to do a series on leadership. Leadership is a topic that has always intrigued me over my 30 plus year career on how, uh, how people do things differently and how they're successful by doing it. So what we're going to do is to have some individuals um, that are willing to come in and visit with us and give us some insight on what has made them successful in terms of leadership and uh, try to figure out if there's any, any links between all of them. Today, my first individual that I'm very happy to uh, interview is Mr. Neil Young. Neil lives right here in Sturgeon, Wisconsin, so he's a local person. Neil has a very, very broad background and uh, and has been very successful in many different different businesses that he's owned and and has consulted in. Neil spent 26 years as a commercial real estate in commercial real estate beginning in 1984 when he joined Grubb & Ellis as an industrial broker in the Chicago office. Neil, in 16 years with Grubb Ellis, held the title of industrial broker, sales manager, district manager, regional president, president of commercial brokerage, and in 1996, was named chairman and CEO, a position he held until 2000. Grubb & Ellis is listed on the New York Stock Exchange and provides national services in brokerage, property, and facilities management and appraisal services. In 1996, when Neil took over as president of Grubin Ellis, they had approximately 2,200 employees and revenues of approximately 200 million. In 2000, Grubin had 5,300 employees and revenues of 440 million. So, basically, Neil uh, started back in the early 70s as the owner of a painting contract company, uh, where he had 16 employees, and. By the year 2000, he was president, CEO, and chairman of Grubb & Ellis, uh, where he had 5,300 employees. So in that period of time, Neil provided leadership and also witnessed a lot of leadership in people that he hired and developed. Since leaving Grubb & Ellis, uh, Neil has consulted and has some ownership in multiple different companies over that period of time uh, to lend his expertise in finance and growing businesses uh, and also in leadership. Neil, it's great to have you here today. It's my pleasure to be here. Perfect. I'm going to go through just a series of, of questions, general questions to, uh, to get your thoughts and ideas on. And the first one is, you know many people have when, they, when they've gone through careers and they look back or when they're going through a career and they look back, they have a person or two that kind of really set the tone for them that kind of made a difference to help lead them along the way and somebody that they would look towards to uh, uh, maybe from a mentor standship. And um, do you have anybody like that? Is there anybody that's really impacted your leadership style? Um,
1: it's really interesting because when I came up through Grubb Ellis, they went through five CEOs in the last six years uh, that I was in the company. And, you know, the two biggest influences that affected my leadership style is, is kind of interesting. One's my mother, because my mother raised eight kids by herself wow. and was self-employed and ran a upholstery shop out of the house. And we used to have the biggest, cheapest houses in the neighborhood, and she would have one room. And so anybody who can raise eight kids by themselves shows a lot of leadership skills. But the thing that she taught that helped me in the future was that everyone was equal. So it was just driven into all of us, mm-hmm. that, that we were all equal, we were all as good as anyone. So you never felt that you, know, that you couldn't go on and do and be anything else. The second part that how, how
0: did that- how did that carry over into your leadership style?
1: Well, one thing is that you know uh, I don't ever, have never had a prejudice against yep. anyone because mm-hmm. it wasn't tolerated. Sure. And the other thing was starting out with the idea that everybody's equal and should be treated the same, I think has helped me a lot mm-hmm. as I move forward. The second experience that really affected me, when I was 19, I went to Vietnam, and within five months, I was a platoon sergeant and had the responsibility for a platoon, and so taking the idea of doing that, and I did have a couple of uh, senior sergeants that ran other platoons and I was able to watch, but the idea then really drove home to me the idea that you do have to treat everyone as equal. You do have to also lead by example. You You cannot get away with, especially in the Army, thinking that you're going to... Uh, command any respect unless you're leading by example and that has stayed with me forever that the idea that I needed to show up I needed to be an example and you know and and that's carried forward with me Mm
0: -hmm. so 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 the the military and your mother are kind of your 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 leadership examples
1: well there's a third leadership that I had to learn leadership because um, I was with for about 16 years. I started as a broker and came up through it. Uh, One of the things after I came back from Vietnam was that I've been an insomniac for about 60 years or 50 years Uh and I filled all that space by reading. And you know, uh, I probably, I looked before I came today and I think I counted 182 books on business and management. Wow! And because every step of the way I knew that I wasn't qualified and so that I would go home and I would buy more books. And it's interesting because I've always, when I've talked to people and had to hire people, one of the greatest things that I'm always questioning is, do you still read? Mm -hmm. Because I've always wondered, if you're not reading, where are you getting the new ideas? Where are you getting the examples of how to better yourself? And so, reading has uh, helped me tremendously. I love Peter Drucker, I loved, you know, certain guys, and what I've always said to people is, you have to read these books and you may only find one nugget Mm -hmm. in the whole book and it's a little discouraging, but that one nugget can be very powerful.
0: be life-changing.
1: Uh, I, I'll give a quick example. I was trying to take the company international, and I would spent a year and a half flying to Asia and to London trying to buy one of the companies that could cover Europe and Asia. I'm on the flight back, and I'm reading a Peter Drucker book, and he said, you know, companies always want to expand by acquisition. And he said, the other thing you can do is, to, is expand by strategic alliance. And he said, because you're only looking to do three things when you acquire, you're trying to gain uh, intellectual capital, you're either trying to gain technology or you're trying to uh, obtain a larger client base. He said, you can do those three things with the strategic alliance without creating, in my case, it was gonna create $100 million in debt. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately got home Repacked, flew back to London, <laughs> negotiated with the same company that I've been negotiating a year with, trying to get this partnership to do it. And within a month, I had a strategic alliance that now covered services all over the world.
0: That's very interesting. Is there a particular leadership model that fits you? I mean, one, one of the interesting things that, as I study leadership and, uh, and I've looked at, at, at leaders and very successful people is, not everybody's the same I mean there's there's different models for different people is, is there one that you kind of have followed or that you've kind of designed
1: um there's a I don't know if you call it a model I mean I go by the basic thing is I don't think that you can actually lead an organization unless you are willing to be a role model and you're willing to lead by example uh, I was fortunate in the company that I came up to because I started as a broker so along the way when I became CEO and chairman they knew that I had been in every position in the company so Mm -hmm. I knew what they were going through. Um, So I I believe in the number one trade as a a person that I would want to ever lead a company I would want to make sure that they were an example. I'd also want to make sure that they um, were still learning. I've always been amazed when I was hiring people in really high level positions in this company, and one of the questions was, and I said, well, where are you going to get your new ideas? And it was a stumper for a lot of them, because I would say, what do you read? And they'd say, well, you know, I, I read Newsweek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would think, well, I don't know if Newsweek is going to carry us. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so, but my model has always been that it's pretty much, uh, I'm very commu- I think you have to really be communicative and you have to have humility mm-hmm. and i think one of the greatest traits you can have is if you can make fun of yourself in front of all the people that that are trying you're trying to lead because mm-hmm. if you can do that it gives them the comfort level to be really candid and honest with you
0: yeah i love that i love that way well, you described you know first a very flat um, organizational chart thinking you know i i do the same thing you know i look at everybody in our organization uh to the people that that clean our bathrooms that i am no better than than they are because Number one, I don't want to do it. Number two, we couldn't operate an organization without them doing it. And uh, so that's that's interesting. The fact that, you know, you 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 identified and, or understand that you don't know everything and that you have to continue yeah. to learn um, is really is really interesting and, and a critical part.
1: You know, I, I had my first uh, national meeting after I became CEO, and uh, I called the meeting. The company had not made money and was really – It was pretty close to, it could have gone bankrupt, owed $30 million. The people wanted their money. We were just getting ready to be delisted by New York Stock Exchange. So I called a national meeting because, you know, I really had to be a change agent to move it. But when I stood in front of them, there were 1,100 of them, and I said, you know, one of the things that I believe in a company, and I said, you know, because I know people all get excited about titles and everything else, and I said, if I could do one thing tomorrow, and if I thought you guys would all go along with it, I would have all your business cards just say your name, and underneath it would say, important. Because if you're not important, then you shouldn't. we shouldn't have you in the company, and <laughs> if you are in the company, mm-hmm. you are important. Yep. And whatever you're doing is important. And it you know, goes along with that philosophy that it's, flat across. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that it helped me with, when I came up through the company, the reason I became CEO is that I had turned around almost 40% of all the offices in the nation as I'd come through the company. And when you have to relieve a manager in an office, you know if if, you, if it doesn't affect you then you're probably not shouldn't be in that position mm-hmm. because every time that i slept in the hotel the night before i was going to go relieve someone of their position i was not comfortable with you know you probably
0: got the, a book or two read
1: uh i got a book or two read <laughs> because i was up late but the, the the thing that made it so that i never had a problem doing it was this. Because if you believe in the theory that everybody's important in the company and you know someone is doing a poor job and they are responsible for the health and well-being and the success of other people they manage, then you can't delay in the uh, You can't say that they're more important and I'll extend their career while the other people's careers are not going to be able to be taken off if mm-hmm. they had a great manager. Yep. And so it, that was how I you know, explained and that's what I truly believed in which is how I was able to move through and change out so many people and bring in successful people to make the people under more successful.
0: Terrific, different traits of a leader. I mean, can you, can you identify three that you really see as a common trait in, in when, as you develop people, as you hired people? What did you see what stuck out?
1: I know what I was looking for. Uh, I was lo- always looking for, uh, did they have ego and did they have empathy? and it's a great combination because without ego that you're not driven to be successful and you're not willing to pay the price and you're not willing to uh, be a change agent or to keep learning and to you know because there is a price in leadership Uh, you know I know people look at the top and think well you know it's great they've risen to the top and they get all the money but if you're a great leader it's not a 40 hour week Mm -hmm. I mean some weeks it's an 80 hour week and Mm -hmm. it isn't the 80 hours you even spend inside the office it's the idea that uh, being the head of the company can be all-consuming. Mm-hmm. And maybe it should be all-consuming because you're responsible for a lot of people. So I always look for, the, did they want to be successful? And I always look for, the, did they have empathy? Because people without empathy, and there are examples out in the world today of people who don't have much empathy, uh, will drive people out of out of the company. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking for, for one of my great interview things that I always l- listen to was when people talked about, if I were hiring for a specific thing and they were in the industry, and if they wanted to dominate the conversation by talking about the past, then all I knew I was getting was their past. Mm-hmm. I wanted the people who came in and when I started talking to them, started talking to me about, here's how I think that, you know, things that could be done. Here's how I, these ideas that I've seen, or you can, and there's a complete difference. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to hire people just for their past. I sure. wanted to hire people who, could see the future, yep. number one, and number two, those people were usually people who could adapt to change.
0: Great. Changes, I mean, over the, over the years, you know, I've been I've been doing this for 30 plus years, and, and I know my, my style, my leadership style has changed somewhat. Um, I know it's changed from the time I was in my 20s to the time I'm in my 50s. How about you? Has it, has it changed over time?
1: Uh, changed over time, and one of the greatest skills that I was uh, not great at, in the beginning was listening. Um, because, you know, if you have ego, you think you're pretty bright, and you might think you have a lot of the answers. And so uh, I wasn't the greatest listener. And, and as time gone on has gone on, I have tried to spend uh, 60% listening and 40% talking. And even if I'm really probing, I'm trying to get it to 70-30. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things I did in the, when I became CEO was, because I always believed that if you're have a company and you really wanted to move forward the answers for making a company better already inside the company. Mm-hmm. So we had at that point 2300 people and I sent an email out in my first week saying most of you know the company has not done well for the last three to four years. Most of you know that you know I want this company to be great so that we can make it easier for you to sell in the marketplace. So send me the three things that we think you think we need to do immediately to change this company. And I had 700 responses. Really. I sat with senior management and said, let's choose the three that we can do in the next 90 days. Mm -hmm. And we chose the three that we could do and we did them in the next 90 days. And it was great because A, it made everybody feel like, look, we told them, they did it. And also, as then I started rolling out all the other changes the company needed to do, they realized that we were gonna do them. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, that when we said them that that we were doing. The other bigger changes, I've spent more time now, especially with since I've been working with companies that are growth companies, I've worked with several companies that are troubled companies and trying to do turnarounds, uh, I sp- I've spent more time mentoring than ever before. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have one company right now that the only thing I'm, I helped do a turnaround with them. And now I'm doing the mentoring on the three senior guys who hope to take over the company. And I'm trying to help for the founder of the company get those people ready. Mm-hmm. And in the other company i'm working with which had some troubles but now is at a fast growth uh 70 of my thing with them is mentoring sure is just saying here's how i've done these things you can you can have your own idea but we uh-huh. can pick and choose and i find that the most rewarding yep. probably of all of
0: it that's fun that's fun
1: there's there's one other thing i'd like to mention you, you ask about uh, how it's changed you know i made used to make the classic management mistake when i first started managing an office Uh, people would come in with a problem and I would let them leave the problem in the office because I would say, oh, you know, I'll take care of it and do this. Mm-hmm. And it did nothing because after a while, and then as I kept going higher up into the company, uh, I finally realized that my job is not to take on other everybody's, I'm not empowering them whatsoever. And I learned really well to say, let's just discuss what you think the solution might be. Here's my experience, what a solution might be. Why don't you go out and try one of those <laughs> and come back and talk to me? But it took me a long time to say, I don't have to be, you don't have to be the solution to every problem if you're a leader. What you need to do is say to people, let's discuss one. If it's your idea, you go try that idea. I'm empowering you to go out and make those decisions so that you get stronger and you become a better
0: leader. For the most part, does that work well with for the, for the individual?
1: It absolutely worked yep. well because you could just watch them grow. Mm-hmm. Because when they went out and did those things and they had success at them, then all of a sudden, you know, they weren't showing up in the office as much. Sure. And they would take the initiative to try to solve their own problem. Mm-hmm. But if you're a, you know, and I had, it, it, one of the things that changed over time for me also is that I used to be so paranoid about not being successful that I wanted to take on more and more responsibility, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the end game of that is you're not having a very good life. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's a uh, that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, it's because uh, human nature is such that I mean, it's like uh, a little bit stand back and watch. And um, I know I, for me, over time, that's been that's been a, a challenging, difficult thing to to release more of that um, to to make it happen. Yeah.
1: No, I, I struggled with it for a good while, but I remember. Uh, what a relief I had when I started doing it in the beginning. I thought, geez, it's uh-huh. over. I sent them out; the problem's gone. That's right. <laughs> it's somebody else's they'll, problem. They'll come and tell me how it worked, and <laughs> and pretty soon they'll, you know, uh-huh. they'll just be stronger, and they do get
0: stronger. The uh, and we uh, this next one we've we've uh, probably touched on it a little bit already, but uh, when you're identifying future leaders, when you're looking at like companies today that you're you're working with, and you're and you're and you're identifying people, what do you, what do you look for?
1: Passion. Yep. Uh, you know, business can be, you know, in the best of times, it can be hard. When your company's running great and the market's with you and your sales are out of control and your life's good, it can be good. But I'm looking for people, especially on the turnarounds that I've worked on, is the passion still there to make it happen? Mm-hmm. And for younger companies, I'm looking for, do they have the passion to sustain themselves through the growth period and through the when you know, it's not going so well. But passion sells. And if you have a CEO or a leader who's passionate, it just, you know, it spreads through the whole company. And it's that whole thing of leading by example. Well, what ha- and what happens with passionate people, they tend to hire passionate people. Mm-hmm. They tend to look for people who they think will get excited. But it it's not enough even for it. You, you know, I'll go backwards a little bit. When you said there's their management style. Well, there's one tool that I've used uh, everywhere I've been. and. I don't know where I got it. Somehow I must have got it somewhere. But anyhow, my whole theory has been with any company is uh, first of all, I want the company, the head of the company, to be able to sit and paint the picture of what he wants the company to be, what he wants it to look like, and you know exactly what it's going to be and look like, and how it's going to move forward. And then the, the person should be able to tell the story of the steps you're going to have to do to get there. And you need to be able to do this to your whole company. So you have to paint a picture and have them agree. Does this picture look great for all of us? And they all say, yeah, we'd love to be in the picture with the companies looking like that. And then you say, well, great. Here's the steps that we all have to take and then you have to finish it by saying and here's the benefits of us taking those steps when the company looks like this mm-hmm. because you can't just say to any situation oh we want to do all these things to make the company great but here's all the things we're going to have to do there has to be a reward sure there has to be something in the end so i always say paint the picture tell the story and then sell the
0: reward would you um you know in in those four years or so you know you, you double this the revenue and you doubled the the, the employee count of grub right. Um, did you did you paint that picture on day one to where it will look like four years later or did you paint the picture in steps to go along the way?
1: Well it's interesting when I um, when they fired the last CEO who lasted 57 days they called I resigned the same day I'd been through four CEOs in three and a half years mm-hmm. and I was the second you know second highest person in the company because the 57 day CEO had made me head of all commercial brokers in the United States and they said you know we would not accept your resignation fly to New York. I actually put together a three year budget okay. to move the company from two hundred million to three hundred and twenty million mm-hmm. over a three three four year period. Which I thought was, you know, pretty distinct. I had the idea since I had changed so many offices, I had an idea. I flew to New York after spending two and a half days putting together this budget and went in there with the ideas and so I had it. I sold to the company that if you didn't want to buy into the picture that I painted Mm -hmm. you should self-eject yeah because we had no alternative Mm -hmm. we're either going to become successful or the company you know it was already in the marketplace that we might go bankrupt Mm -hmm. so you know and I sold them how life would be better if they bought into that picture so yeah I set up the goals when at the end of the first year we were managing 50 million square feet of facilities and property management and I called that division together and said I want to be at 200 million (laughs) in the next two years Mm -hmm. and they were all like He's crazy, yeah, But he's fun. our crazy, and we'll, we'll stick with <laughs> it's him. And crazy. But we didn't get to. T- we got to 150 million square feet. So, uh-huh. uh, but it, but I used the same theory through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to have a better job? Do you want to get paid more? Do you want to have a career opportunities? Well, you can't do it if we're sitting in the same position we are. deal. Yes. You haven't had a raise in two years. You want to keep going? through your 401ks haven't been funded? Mm-hmm. Is this the life that you want to live? So, you know, that's why it was you know you have there has to be a reward for all that but I've used that kind of and every company that I've worked with in the last 10 years to do to change and to bring change to a company mm-hmm. I've started out by getting to know the company and doing that exact same theory mm-hmm. and then try to get agreement to it
0: sure that's great um, final final question here you know every successful company has a successful board mm-hmm. and uh, Working with boards can be really, really good. Can be really bad. I mean, I've seen, seen them across the board. You know, from nonprofits and everything else. Um, what do you identify the keys to successful leadership board relationships? Uh,
1: I, you know, my board that I reported to had Goldman Sachs, had Warburg Pincus, one of the largest venture companies, and then had maybe uh, there was no one on the inside. I was I was the only person on the inside on the board, and we had independent board members. My thing about relationships with boards is pretty simple. I believe that boards should be responsible for, I believe the CEO, the president of the company, is responsible for bringing in a business plan and a budget. And the board should spend the time to realize what that plan is. Mm-hmm. Are there goals elucidated in that plan so that they can have measurable goals? And they should look at that. And if they agree that that's the direction that they want for that organization and that they approve the budget to get with it, that should be the starting point, and the main thing that the board should be trying to hold the re- senior management responsible for. They've submitted a plan, they've asked for it to spend the money that should go from there. The thing about successful relationships is I think boards should be treated like banks should be treated from their clients. I'm your client and you've lent me $5 million. I don't need to ever bring you a surprise the only surprise i need to bring you is if i'm going to pay off my debt quicker mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so banks don't like surprises and boards don't like surprises sure. and the other thing that i find that people uh have done with boards and that and i you know i had to learn on the fly but i did very well i never went in to discuss something with the board unless i brought in all the supporting information and sent it to him beforehand in other words i didn't usually try to fly ideas Uh, and say you know i'm thinking that we should try to do this and do all of this unless i was really prepared so Mm -hmm. when i went in and said i was going to address that i wanted to start a whole new division it was going to cost four million dollars over the next 12 months i had put together here's what i think is going to happen here's what you can hold me accountable to and do that and i think that boards are usually uncomfortable if you go in and i found if you go in and talk in generalities Mm -hmm. because they you know the most you not the most you can hope for you Limited expectation is they've read everything you sent to them, and you sent them a great package before the board meeting mm-hmm. But I guess my bigger thing is don't surprise your board Be very transparent with the board.
0: That's you know, that's that's a great board relationship a great um, You know uh, management relationship. I mean, it's it's the same thing as a president and CEO. I mean, it's uh, uh You know, I know I know our organization will make mistakes. I know things will go wrong periodically um, but I don't want to find out about them from somebody else. Right. I want to find out about. I mean, because you know, we'll, we'll deal with the problems, but uh, uh, and that's and that's really what you're saying. The same way, you have to, to deal with the board.
1: No surprises, because yeah. the fact is, if you really are running an organization, y- there aren't many things that come up so surprise. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there might be. A, I mean, something someone did to a client you know can come up on a one day or something but trends that are going to be a disappointment to the plan that you presented or the budget that you presented usually you have a inkling of those and my thing was to always get ahead of them and say we may be having to re-examine this Mm -hmm. so that when if i came back and said that we did they'd say yeah well you mentioned it you know before sure and i'll finish that part of it because the same it really ties into the relationship between The most surprising thing that i've discovered over the last 10 to 15 years Uh, all the companies that i've worked with i would say to you that i thought that 20 percent of them had a sophisticated relationship of how to deal with their own bank i've Mm -hmm. always been amazed Mm -hmm. because uh you know my feeling with bankers is you never surprise your banker you provide your banker with more information that he needs Uh that you keep them abreast of everything because the last and also Especially on the turnarounds, you never go to the bank. You never had the bank call you because they've discovered there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Number one, and number two, if there's a problem, you get it to the bank before. Or first, and second, don't bring your problem to a bank without having figured out what you think the solution is. Yep, the banks are not in the business of having you come in and. Dump your problem, and then saying, "Oh, we got a problem. We're going to run short. We're not going to be able to pay our thing." Always we. Mm. <laughs> you need yeah. to come in with the solution for the bank, and uh, I think banks have more, a lot more confidence if yep. they know that yep. you are ahead of time.
0: Well, I, 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 think that's a great way to end it, Neil, because that's, uh, as a banker, I love to hear that. So <laughs> I, I think it is, and it's, and it's, very, it's very true. So, yeah. any, any, any parting, parting uh, thoughts that you might have? Did we cover everything?
1: No, you know, I appreciated the opportunity to do this. Um, I think, you know, figuring out and mentoring people to how to become great leaders is really, really important. I've read all the books about leadership and all the other things. Each style is different Mm -hmm. and each person is different. Uh, But I think that the whole thing is I used to be kidded when I was at uh, Grubbin Ellis and they said my style of management was holistic. And I don't. And I didn't, you know, I understood they were kidding me, but I also understood that's what they thought I did. And if that's the worst thing anybody said to me, that I was a holistic manager and cared as much about the people and the company in the same vein, I can live with that.
0: That's great. Well, Neil, thanks so much for coming today um, and sharing your thoughts on on leadership and and some of the things that you've accomplished. you're you're you become a good friend of mine and a and a mentor of mine. I mean, I, uh, I I I really enjoy and I think that's important also to make sure as you talk about mentorship that people find that person or those people that that have been through some of the some of the, the wars, so to speak, um, to help you along the way. And, and and I know we periodically get the chance to meet, and I and I and I really cherish that and appreciate that. So thanks for doing this. We appreciate it very much. And uh, everybody have a great day. listening to CSB broadcasts. For more information on Community State Bank, please visit us online at communitystatebank.net. Community State Bank is member FDIC and an equal housing lender.